When injury takes you out of the game, it's time for your team to step up. At Alina Health Orthopaedics, you'll get expert care backed by a whole health system of providers with convenient locations, virtual options, and an app that gives you 24-7 access to your records, test results, and care team. You're always close to care and the care that you need. Schedule now at alinahealth.org slash ortho. I'm Hassani Dotson, and you're listening to The Sound of the Loons. Afternoon or evening, depending on when this finds you. Welcome to the Sound of the Loons podcast presented by Alina Health Orthopedics. I'm Steve McPherson and I am joined by Callum Williams. Cal, New Year, New You. Are you a person who makes uh, New Year's resolutions? Is that a thing you do? Not particularly, Steve, because I'm one of these people um, where I believe you should be whatever that New Year's resolution is. It's usually something quite positive, isn't it? For me, I'm, I'm the kind of person that is insisting you should be like that throughout the entirety of the year. So, and you should be like that anyway. So not really, no. Yeah, I, I sort of have mixed feelings about it. We've done in my family, we've done a sort of uh, like hopes for the new year or, or sort of goals rather than necessarily like a resolution. Um, and so that tends to be things like, um, I like this year, a small one. I wanted to go on a bike ride with my whole family. Like my, we got bikes for the kids for Christmas. Uh, my oldest now has a bike that is appropriately sized to her. The youngest is not, has not quite fully learned a, a pedal bike. She's good on the balance bike, but I'm hoping she learns the pedal bike and then we can have a bike ride together as a family. So that, that it's like, a, it's like a little thing. I'm not trying to like change my life or anything like that. I did get an exercise bike for the, the basement, which I still have to put together. So it's a little bit of a, you gotta, gotta get some, some working out in, in the new year, but that's about as far as it goes for me. Yes. Well, you know, Fair enough. At least it's something, Steve. And um, that, that sounds rather pleasant, actually, a little bike ride with the family. Um, but I, I, can't, I mean, what, what is it like? In, is it still snowing in Minnesota at the moment, is it? Or It's, um, yeah, you jerk, you're in Miami. Um, it's, um, <laughs> Sorry. What's, it, what's it like up there in the frozen north? Are you, are you suffering terribly? <laughs> I, I, um, I don't mean to tease, I really don't. I was genuinely... <laughs> it's uh it's snowy um there's sort of a light dusting this morning it's been kind of like misty recently um which is not too bad i think in the mornings it's a little nice you know so it's, it's it's sort of there was a real uh post christmas chill and then now we're sort of in that like upper 20s 30s you know so it's sort of there's snow on the ground but it's kind of soft and wet so yeah it's it's pretty nice for Minnesota. I would say it's no, it's no Miami. You're in, you're in Florida. Um, I, I, I want to talk about that a little bit. I know uh, Will Trapp, who I talked to the other day, we'll talk more about him as a player, but I know he's meant for Minnesota because he said it's just too hot in Miami, <laughs> which I'm like, all right, you're, you're gonna, you're gonna fit in just fine up here. Before we get to um, your hotel room and it's art and what you're doing in Miami. Um, Tell me a little bit about what you got up to over the break. The the Minnesota United offices we closed uh, just before Christmas. Sort of had a, a week or so off, a little over a week somewhere in that area. Um, it, what did you get up to in that time? Well, to sum it up briefly, Steve, a lot of eating, a lot of drinking, and getting fat. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, it it was. Um, 
you know, a um, a rather subdued holiday. I think just about everybody will will probably um, relate to that. Um, my wife is from Kansas City, so we went down there and, and spent the holidays with her family. Um, and I say her family sort of in inverted commas because it was literally, you know, her mom and dad, her brother and sister and their partners um, and their children. And, and it was just a very um, secluded sort of situation. Um, obviously, no going out or, or doing anything or really seeing any family members um, where it's... Um, you know, not necessary. So um, it was subdued, but it was still lovely, still nice. Um, my little niece is at that age now where Christmas is a very, very big deal. So it was really cute to, to see mm-hmm. that sort of uh, uh, glistening in the eyes of a young child again, you know, it's, um, at, at that age uh, about, about Christmas and stuff. And yeah, it was, you know, a lot of chilling out, a lot of putting the feet up. I, I tried to get away from football a little bit. Um, you know, but that was, uh, it's nigh impossible, particularly around the Christmas period, um, especially from a Premier League standpoint, you know, lots sure. of games on, essentially a game every day. So um, there was a lot of time to relax. And then um, because of the assignment I'm on here, there was a lot of a lot of prep then after the time to relax and, and what have you. Uh, and it was the same for New Year as well. Um, just, uh, you know, kept it very quiet, a um, couple of glasses of wine and... Uh, was in bed at about 1am, I think, you know, it's, it was the most calm new year I've had in, in some time, but it was fine. There's no problem at all. What, what about you guys? Did you stay in Minnesota? Yeah, uh, very chill. Um, we didn't go anywhere, um, barely saw anyone. Uh, and I, I don't, I hesitate to say it was nice because it's not something I would want to do regularly. And, you know, I understand that it's, it's obviously a difficult holiday season for a lot of people, um, you know, for a myriad of reasons, uh, with regard to the pandemic between people who've who've lost loved ones to people who have lost jobs and things like that. Um, within my world, it was, it, it was, there was an element that made me appreciate it in certain ways, because sometimes when you come into the, the sort of holiday season, there's sort of this glut of stuff and, and, and seeing other people and it becomes a social sort of, uh, whirlwind of you go to some, uh, you know, extended family's house for Christmas Eve, you come back to your house for Christmas morning, you go to the the grandparents for Christmas Day, you go, you travel to, we've uh, often flown to Florida um, the day on Christmas, so we have to like take our tree down and everything like that. And it was a little slower. And I think it, it just gave me an appreciation for my family, for sort of just the unit that I have in my house. Um, that appreciation waned over the next several days as we all spent a lot of time in, in, in close quarters, but, uh, but overall it's good, you know, and I, you know, I, we've now been back, I've been back at work now for four days. Um, and I have to say, I forgot how much work it is. Like, I, <laughs> you know, like I take some time off and I'm like, I'm reading at home. I'm playing guitar. I'm, you know, sort of taking care of my kids. We're doing stuff. And I'm like, I have all this time to do things like cook and, and sort of work through stuff. And now I'm like, oh, I'm at work all day at home. And so that's where I am. We watch a lot of TV. I was going to ask about, did you, did you uh, catch up on any TV, <clears throat> Netflix? I know this is a thing we discussed a lot early in the quarantine, but is there anything you dove into over the break that, that, that you found appealing? Um, not that I can remember that was of any significance. Um, Naturally, as most people do, you know, we um, 
wandered into the, the realm of Christmas movies and, and whatnot, as you do, and had that age-old debate about Die Hard being a Christmas movie. It absolutely <laughs> is. Um, you know, and um, just, just did that, really. Uh, you know, I, I'm a big fan of, you know, things like Love Actually and, and The Holiday. I'm, I'm a... I'm one of those. I love those kind of movies, those little soft movies. I know I'm a big softy, but I just I, I do. I enjoy cuddling up with the missus, watching a movie like that, having a cup of tea, and and it was uh, very relaxing, you know. But um, the, the one thing which um, I've been encouraged to do, and I will now do it because my my best mate in the whole world from England, a chap called Carl, he um, he bought me um, the Breaking Bad series. Mm. I've never seen an episode, um, which I know is is shocking for a lot of people it seems like everybody's watched it um so now i have the um i have no excuse i i have to watch it now so the missus and i will will find an appropriate time to watch it we've got the whole whatever it is eight nine seasons so uh when we have some time we'll uh we'll dive into that i'm sure we'll have to check with uh casey kobakoff of the uh, digital um and communications marketing team to see if she uh, has watched breaking bad she's Notorious for having not watched anything. So we'll see if she's up on you as far as having seen Breaking Bad already. Um, yeah, we we watched uh, The Flight Attendant, which is on HBO Max, which is sort of a murder mystery thriller with Kaylee Cuoco, who is on Big Bang Theory. Is that right? I can't remember. She's an actress and she does great. Um, it's a fun whodunit. You know, it's not, I think it's maybe 10 episodes and it's entertaining. We follow that up immediately with The Undoing, which is also on HBO Max and is uh, essentially like a really long Law and Order episode. You look like you have a point. Is, is that, this is with Hugh Grant, isn't it? Yes. Yes. yes the wife and I watched that. Recommend. Okay. Very good. Yeah, it was like it didn't really uh, for my for my money it didn't really become great like it did not it did not sort of ascend to prestige television the way that you know like something like Breaking Bad The Wire or something like that it's sort of it really it's about like you know sort of the way that someone's belief in another person's is sort of eroded and you know sort of it again it's like it's like a six hour episode of law and order and um but you know it, it was the acting was fantastic i gotta say across the board um i'm not a huge nicole kidman fan but i thought she did a great job hugh grant does a fantastic job um updating his sort of like for you know being a suspect in a murder <laughs> and does a good job donald sutherland also particularly excellent in this move in this uh, in this series uh, we then moved on to Alone, season seven, which we've talked about before, this uh, reality show about surviving in the Arctic, uh, which was, again, it, it's a great reality show, one of my favorites. Now we're in the great British baking show, the, the current, the most recent season. And I was saying last night we should combine the great British baking show and Alone, where you have somebody who can bake and then somebody who's a survivalist. And they go in the woods and they have to, the, the baker has to bake for them. Um, and then Paul Hollywood flies in and judges their their bakes uh every week so that's that's my uh, that's my new mashup idea for, for netflix but there's a lot of good stuff out there again i wouldn't say anything's great we watched the queen's gambit i can't remember if we discussed that another show very entertaining not hugely great uh like as as art or anything like that but i'm fine with being entertained right now let's move on to uh, i'm not gonna talk about your hotel artwork too much um it's in the background and it it, it looks uh stupendous tell me more about your uh your role there you are there for conmi bowl i don't know if i, I don't know if it was a pronunciation of an acronym but uh libertadores um so tell us about the competition uh you know and and, and what you're doing so um conmi bowl is um so you, you said it right steve um it is the south american region you know how every uh, in the, the world of fifa there are um 
you know, footballing governing bodies, if you will. You know, for example, um, North America operates in CONCACAF and, you know, um, England, uh, France, Germany, Spain operate in UEFA. Um, Conmebol covers South America. So Conmebol Libertadores is basically the equivalent of the, the UEFA Champions League or the CONCACAF Champions mm-hmm. League. Um, so it's when all the best teams in the region get together and play a massive tournament and everybody pays attention to it and there's humongous crowds, uh, obviously not this time, unfortunately. Um, and uh, it, it's a tournament I've certainly watched from afar um, in the past, for sure. Um, so anyway, yeah, I, I, I've been calling the um, the games from the semi-final stage. I, I was due to, to get involved next season um, um, and we'll, we'll see what happens there. But I, I was asked by the production team if I would come down and do the semi-final and, and ultimately the final um, for a global audience. And, um, you know, I'll, I'll be honest, Steve, it's been nice. You know, I, I really enjoy the, the Minnesota United gig and, and I, um, I, I live in Minneapolis. You know, it's, it's a part of me now for sure. But it has been refreshing. It's been quite nice to, to cover a tournament that I've watched from afar in the past. Um, you know, um, now able to do these things now that I have the green card and now that, um, you know, um, in certain parts of the country, um, you know, travel restrictions aren't as tight uh, as others. Um, it's a shame I was due to go back to the UK and do some stuff there, but obviously COVID means that that can't happen. So, um, yo, know, it's been great, Steve. It, it's been really good. I'm working with a chap called Nigel Rio Coker, who is uh, former West Ham and Aston Villa Premier League player, obviously played in Major League Soccer with Vancouver, Montreal, and, and a short stint at Chivas USA as well. Tremendous chap has been, uh, he's new to it, but he's been really good to work with. Um, and so, uh, so far, I've, I've done the two semifinals for the English language world audience, uh, River Plate and Palmeiras, uh, the first leg of the semifinal, and then the other uh, semi-final yesterday I did uh, Boca Juniors against Santos and um, it's been great it's been really good and then there's a tournament underneath the uh, Libertadores called the Sudamericana mm-hmm. uh, and again the comparison would be it's like Champions League and the Europa League um, okay. and Sudamericana is essentially the Europa League of um, of South America so uh, I'm doing the semi-final this evening between uh, Coquimbo Unido and uh, Defensa y Justicia um, these are teams from Chile and Argentina. Uh, I've had to do a lot of prep. Um, you know, I, I, in terms of the, the Libertadores, because of the, the nature of it, because of, of how uh, big it is and how well it's viewed in, uh, on the world footballing stage, finding prep and doing the research was, wasn't too hard at all. But diving into you know, a, a team from Chile who were essentially playing in, in the second division, in 2018, you know, and they've had a lot of turnover. It's a Cinderella story for them. It really is um, uh, where they are now. So um, that was intriguing. That took me a little longer to prep for than, you know, a regular MLS game would for sure. But uh, no, it's just been good, Steve. It, it's it's opened up, for, not opened up my eyes to, to a new region because I was aware of it before, but but I've certainly delved deeper into it than I ever watching as a casual fan. So mm-hmm. uh, it's been great. It's been fun. And I'm due to do the the second legs next week as well. So I'm I'm back to Minnesota tomorrow for for the weekend to see my wife. I'm seeing my wife for a few days, <laughs> um, and then as I said, I'm back for the for the semis, and and then we'll crack on for for the rest of the tournaments. Nice. Who who are the um, 
the powers like who are the 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 the, the favorites at this point um through the through the sort of first leg of the semifinal round like who do you who do you think is going all the way um i would suggest people would pay close attention to palmeiras because um already a brazilian juggernaut a um, mm-hmm. humongous club in, in the region um went to river plate who um it, Whenever you think of Argentine football, you, you instantly think of River Plate and Boca Juniors. Mm-hmm. Um, that, that's the South American fixture, the Super Classico. It, it has been for many years and, and will do for a long time. Um, so when you go to River Plate, um, I thought to myself going into the game, I thought Palmeiras will happily take a tie of some sort. And if they get an away goal, it's amazing for them. Brilliant. Palmeiras actually won 3 0. Um, and it was. <laughs> Um, it was shocking. I, I've never seen uh, a team like River Plate, who were the favourites going in, no, no doubt Palmeiras, I think, are probably just about the favourites for the entirety of the tournament at this stage. Mm-hmm. But River Plate at home, I say at home because they weren't playing at El Monumental, they were playing at uh, a different stadium. But um, whilst the current stadium gets some work done on it. But, but either way, it was still a home game for them. And Palmeiras came in and, and, and showed... Um, such endeavour and had no fear at all. And you could see as soon as they scored, their confidence grew completely. And um, Adrian Heath always says it's completely true. Goals do change games. And all of a sudden they got a second goal and then a third goal. And and really, Steve, they, they should have had four, maybe even five. Um, so River Plate completely um imploded and and um they have a, a humongous task in the second leg if they're going to get anything from it and then Boca Juniors and, and Santos last night was was a stalemate um Santos should have got a penalty in my opinion uh, a name people will I'm sure know uh, from that game was uh, Carlos Tevez um playing sure. for, uh, for Boca Juniors um Still a lot of weight on his shoulders. Um, I, I think he he likes that. He still likes to be the centre of attention. It's his club after all, really. Um, but um, yeah, the biggest problem for Boca Juniors is that they can't they can't score. They've scored thirteen goals in ten games in the competition, and um, you know. So yeah, not not to go too deep into not to make it a Libertadores podcast, but yeah, it's it's been enjoyable, Steve. I've really enjoyed yeah. it, and um, very much looking forward to the second legs for sure. Yeah, I feel like uh, Minnesota United fans will know Tevez uh, at, at least from being the guy who is in the way of Emmanuel Reynoso, right? This is why part of why Reynoso was playing the eight and not the 10 because Tevez is the guy there. So, um, All right, let's move on to some more Minnesota United stuff. Uh, the arrival of Will Trapp, um, lovely chap. Chap Trap. Um, a hard time spelling his name. It is very hard to type W-I-L and stop right there. So I am learning how to do that. Um, Great guy. I had the chance to talk to him on a, a loon dive. Um, it seems very eager and excited to be in Minnesota. Has family connections uh, here. Uh, you know, has connections to Ethan Finlay. Obviously, they played in Columbus together, and then Ethan Finlay also sort of had that coming back to Minnesota with family here, and, and Will Trapp's wife has. that the, the team is working on bringing him back, but then, you know, we, we're not sure what's going on right there, but um, the uh, Minnesota United's options in central midfield with the addition of Will Trapp, there's a really good, deep 
varied set of options they have. Looking at Jan Gregush, Will Trapp, Hassani Dotson, Ja'Cory Hayes is coming back. Um, possibly Ozzy Alonso. Again, you know, maybe his role is going to be a little different. But um, that's, that's a nice, uh, you know, sort of assortment of different things you can do in central midfield, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I would agree, Steve. I think it's the one area now where Minnesota United would perhaps give a big thumbs up to the recruitment staff and say, right, we're probably set and sorted in the centre of midfield now for a while. And particularly if Ozzy Alonso does return as well and, and, and adds another body. So, um, look, I've always been a fan of Will Trapp. I, I, I know he's had his, his critics on um, the international stage when he's played for the national team. Um, but I've always been a fan of him. He's, he's a proper holding midfielder. Um, deep-lying, um, you know, will we'll sit in between the two centre-halves when the full-backs go forwards. Um, he, he, he will get stuck into a tackle, for sure. Um, but, you know, for, for people, I'm sure, Minnesota fans have, have watched tape on him and, and there might not necessarily be an abundance of those sort of clips. But I think um, Will Trapp is, is very clever. His, his, his passing range often gets him out of trouble. Um, he reads the game very well. Um, He's um, his his passing range is really good. Um, I thought he was was such a key component to what Columbus Crew did for for so many years. Uh, I was quite surprised he was um, let go as easily as he was um, to head to into Miami. Um, and obviously the, the the situation here in Miami just hasn't worked out. Um, we, we saw today, didn't we? The, the head coach was was let go as well here. So it seems as though they're they're trying to readdress things and, and perhaps. Um, reassert themselves by bringing in some some bigger names. The rumour here, down here in Miami at the moment, is Phil Neville may very well get the job. Uh, David Beckham's former Manchester United teammates. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, yeah, uh, look, I think Will Trump's an excellent addition. As I said, Steve, I'm a big fan of him. Um, I always sort of viewed him as being um, somebody, but one of, one of a handful of individuals that I, I would have said, if you're going to go in the league to get a long-term number six, once Aussie is done, Will Trapp would certainly have been on that list. I deserve a pass on the back of this signing. Yeah, I think that Trout, I mean, I believe we brought him up before. I was, you know, I had this idea of like, I got to go back to like back um, Sound of Loons and find it somewhere. Like, I know, like maybe two years ago, I was like, I would love to get Will Trapp. Um, so, I'm smart uh, is what I'm trying to say. Uh, but anyways, I think that, that <laughs> you know, like I've always liked those, you know, obviously as members of the Holy Midfielder Appreciation Society, we, we know all about this stuff. But, um, you know, he's not obviously, I wrote a little article about this for the website. He's not like an Ozzy Alonso. He's not a destroyer. He's not a sort of, you know, bulldog number six. But um, but he's got that, you know, he's got some of that, um, it's sort of the Elia Sanchez, like deep line playmaker, the regista uh, role and that ability to sort of redirect the offense, which we've seen Ozzy do as well. Ozzy, once he gets possession, sort of slows it down and finds those passes. But some of those, you know, you watch highlights of, of, of trap and some of those long diagonals out to guys. It's exciting because I think it gives the, the, the team a couple different options. You know, we've sort of seen the team be, uh, a, at times overlap those fullbacks and then send in crosses that didn't happen as much toward the end of last season. It was a much more interplay between the midfielders. It was less direct. It was a little more uh, creative. If you can have flexibility though, to be able to sometimes find those long direct passes um, to spring counterattacks, but you can also play in with a Reynoso. I also think that, and I've brought this up before, um, I don't know how this exactly how this is going to work out. Obviously, there's still questions to, as far as the midfield, which we'll talk about in a minute. But um, 
I talked about last year that having uh, Reynoso and, and Robin Lud, who are very willing defenders from the front, maybe opens things up a bit more for a player like Will Trapp, where it's not, you know, the back line is very solid behind him. And he's got, uh, you know, attacking midfielders who are willing to defend at the point of, of attack up there. Maybe you don't need... I mean, it's obviously great to have a guy like like Ozzy who is a bulldog and who will go out there and 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 take command and 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 knock guys down and like you know fight for it. But you know, maybe maybe you can find some other options in midfield that change the game, the texture of the game a little bit. I think that's exciting. Yeah, and like you said, you know, um, Will Trap I think is a little more composed um, than Ozzy Alonso. Um, and I'm not suggesting that Alonso isn't composed at all, but I, th- I think um, Will Trapp is is a, a better passer of the ball. Sure. I, I think we'll see plenty of little clipped balls into the into the channels for the overlapping fullbacks and and for the wide players. You know, um, I, I I honestly, Steve, I think it's it's a really 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 good addition, um, and I um, I'm interested to see who becomes. You would imagine, you imagine next season that the the partner would be Jan Grigish. You would imagine, um, who, as we've seen, is is comfortable in a, a deep line playmaking role as well. Um, but also, you know, Hassani Dotson again. I thought had a tremendous campaign, um, given the circumstances, mm. and again has proven that he's he's a bundle of energy in the central midfield and can go up and down and offer you an extra body from time to time. Um, but I look. I think Will Trapp is great. He gives you a solid base um, at the uh, the heart of the centre of midfield. Um, really good addition, um, and it's a good start for Minnesota in terms of the new acquisitions on the way it, it, and getting those players in. It's a good start, um, and now they can build off of that as well. They've, they've, they've sort of they've, they've got the foundation now. Mm-hmm. Now the question is, they look forward and, and look at what else they can add and where else they can add. But it's it's a good start in the transfer market to the, the 2021 season. Yeah. Uh, so let's talk about that a little bit. Some, you know, a, a hole they're going to have to fill now, officially announced this morning, Kevin Molino signing with uh, reigning champs, uh, Columbus crew. Um, Kevin Molino, I love that guy. He's been tremendous for this club. Uh, you know, he is... The only he was the only loon remaining from the opening day 2017 roster, other than Brent Coleman, who's I mean, again, Brent, what can you say? He's just <laughs> always stuck in there and and made himself available for the team. Um, but you know, that he scored that penalty kick against Atlanta in the snow opener, like fond memories of him. He's great to talk football with. Uh, he's got a warm heart and he's a generous guy. Um, I remember particularly having a great conversation with him and Ethan Finlay about their coming back from their, their injuries, their knee injuries sort of in the same season, just to sit down with them and, and just how his passion for, for the game sort of drove him, drove him through that rehabilitation process. I think he's going to have tremendous, you know, success with Columbus. Um, I think obviously it was, you know, it's, it's, he goes into a team that has Zeller John, that has the signed Bradley Wright Phillips, you know, like the, the, the reigning champions. I, I hope it's a really good situation for him. Um, he's, he's a great guy, and I, I think it'll be fun to see him on the crew. I will be sad not to see him on Minnesota United, however. Yeah, yeah. It's obviously a real shame from a Minnesota United point of view because I, I always felt, Steve, that we only really got a glimpse of what Kevin Molino could offer. Mm-hmm. Uh, periods and certain spells where you thought, oh, right, okay, this this is the, the version of Molino that we, we want to do. And I felt like 
this this will be even tougher to swallow. Um, so it, it's a real shame, Steve, because he's one heck of a player. Um, and, you know, I, I just wonder what the reasons are for him for him going. Um, look, we, we all, it, 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 it can't be managed. It can't be managed what they could offer. Unless Columbus Crew are making him a designated player. To my knowledge, that's not the case. So um, it can't be financial. <clears throat> so my only thought, the honest with having conversations with people outside of um, and agents and people in world football, I, I expected Kevin Molino to to leave the club when when I knew that he had said no to the deal. I thought to myself, he's, he's probably going to go and try something else. And, and I, I was chatting with somebody about it and I thought to myself, do you know what? Kevin Molino is, is going to be 31 this year. Um, he's had two very serious ACL injuries. Um, I, I don't know exactly what Minnesota offered, but I would assume it would be something along the lines of a, of a you know, a two-year deal maybe with, with, with a one option, with a one-year option. And it, it sounds like he wanted three years guaranteed and that's what Columbus Crew obviously given to him. Um, I know there were was interest in Molino from Japan and from the league, um, the Gulf League in the UAE. And I'll be totally honest, Steve, I thought to myself, and this is why I bring this point up ultimately, I thought as though, and it certainly felt as though Kevin Molino perhaps wanted a change of scenery. And I don't, bl I don't necessarily blame him for that because yeah. it's a short career. And Let's not forget as well, apart from a short spell where he had Jason Christ as the head coach at Orlando, for the majority of his 10 years that he's been in Major League Soccer, he's worked with Adrian Heath. So maybe he just wanted to try something under a new coach. And that's, no, that, that's nothing bad towards Adrian Heath or the coaching staff at the moment. Sometimes as a player, you just perhaps want to try something new. And, and it's nothing against the current project you're on. You just want to try something new. And... Um, you know, so, so I understand. I, I understand why he's opted to go elsewhere. But, but I'll be totally honest, Steve. I am surprised at the destination. I know there was another MLS club very interested as well. Um, and and I, I honestly thought, once I heard about the interest from foreign shores, I thought he might go and do that. Um, just to say you've gone and done it, you know. But ultimately, he's opted to sign for, let's be honest, a very good Columbus crew team. They are the current MLS champions. Um, and it seems like there's a good project there. They're opening up a new stadium next year. They have a very good identity in the markets. I, I think it could be a, a defining year for Columbus Crew moving forward. So um, I can understand the attraction from um, for Molino from, from Columbus for sure. Uh, Caleb Porter's a very, very well-respected head coach as well and has different ideas to a lot of people. So look, there's an abundance of reasons as, as to why Kevin Molino has gone and done this. Ultimately, we can only speculate, but... I, I think having said what I've just said, it's probably not too far off the mark. Yeah, I think that um, I think that when it comes down to decisions like this, we can sometimes get a little into the weeds as 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 sort of fans, commentators, people with some amount of knowledge of it, um, but also just sort of watching the league. Um, you know, sometimes the reason can be very simple. You know, it, it can really. I think if you if you put yourself in this position as just a human being, um, where you're looking at your career. And you're saying to yourself, you know, 
he's had two serious injuries that he's come back from. He's like you said, he's turning 31. So he's rounding that corner into sort of his, his older age um, I, as a player. Obviously, I am much older than him. Uh, so, <laughs> but I also feel like garbage every day when I wake up because I, <laughs> I'm out of shape. But, uh, but so Kevin Molino, you know, is looking at the situation where it's like, maybe it is as simple as Minnesota United felt like two years and an option was the best they could do. And Columbus said three years and that was it. You know, it was like, maybe that's as simple a decision as it comes down to. And there's maybe there's a couple other mitigating factors. Just wanted to try something different. I get that feeling, you know, that sense of just like, maybe you want to try a little something different. Maybe the role that they've, they've talked about is a little different. Um, it, you know, sometimes we can get into overanalyzing this stuff and sometimes it's just, you know, it, it could be a couple of simple things that tip you, you know, one way or another. You've been in Minnesota now for four years, feel like you've accomplished a lot of what you've set out to accomplish by coming here and sort of starting, you know, with the expansion side. So maybe it's as simple as that. Yep, absolutely. Um, sometimes we're very guilty, aren't we, of just looking at it from a, a footballing point of view. And really, sometimes we need to look at the, the humanitarian point of view. We, we need to look at it uh, from a human being perspective. And um, yeah, you know, as I said, it, it's a shame. It's a real shame for Minnesota United that they've lost um, an individual like him. But what I will say, Steve, um, without mentioning names, um, there are some um, some some replacements um, or potential replacements that the club is looking at um, that that I think will be will be very very good. Um, who are younger as well. Um, the club obviously wants to, um, you know, when you lose something like that, it's always a, a good idea to to perhaps go a little bit younger, um, and that's the the mindset I think. So um, we'll wait and see. As I said, without getting into it too much, um, I think if if the club get the players they're talking about to replace Molino. Uh, I think everything will be fine ultimately. Where these players, we're not mentioning names. Where would you rank them on a scale from tantalizing to mouthwatering? Right at the heart of both. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. All right. When injury takes you out of the game, it's time for your team to step up. At Alina Health Orthopedics, you'll get expert care backed by a whole health system of providers with convenient locations, virtual options, and an app that gives you 24 7 access to your records, test results, and care team, you're always close to the care you need. Schedule now at alinahealth.org slash ortho. Pretty soon this read is going to become a competition and who can, like, I think we should just like, throw it on the gauntlet and see if you can get the better read out of this. Um, like, a couple other random notes, uh, nothing that we have to dive too far into, but I wanted to touch on. Uh, congrats, Hassani Dotson, getting, uh, you know, called up for international duty on the U23 roster. Well-deserved. Again, I feel like this past season, uh, did not have the sort of breakout feel that his first season did as far as, you know, the, the bangers and all that, but played a key role at a, at a bunch of crucial points, especially thinking back to like in, in uh, the MLS's back tournament, his, his role is sort of like a signed destroyer of, of deep line playmakers to stop those guys from having a good day. Um, he's a great guy. Uh, he's great to talk to. Um, and obviously a really talented footballer who you, as you have said, could be on his way to bigger destinations down the road. Um, what's your feeling on this, on this U23 roster and, and how it's looking and the idea of them training with the, with the senior roster and, and sort of making connections that way? Yeah, I, I think it's good, Steve, and it's good for Hassani Dotson because, again, to my knowledge, a lot of uh, the the senior national team eyeballs will, will be on this U23 roster as well, and, and I personally think it's it, it's 
a case of when rather than if, when Hassani Dotson gets the, the national team call-up. Mm-hmm. It's interesting, actually, um, at the, the Conmebol Productions down here, um, he has been the one player that, that the uh, producers and, and ex-players that we've been working with down here have, have mentioned several times and how much they enjoy watching Hassani Dotson. Um, obviously, away from the one they're very familiar with in uh, Emmanuel Reynoso. Stanley Dotson has come up in conversations in the past uh, couple of days for sure. So, um, yeah, look, it's a mixture of uh, potential and and solidity. Um, I think it's it's arguable to say, Steve, the next couple of years are are beyond important for the national team because... Mm-hmm. I think at this next World Cup in 2022, the United States can make a real statement in terms of how serious how serious they are in terms of becoming a not quite a, a footballing powerhouse in the world, but but in terms of of how much they've grown and how much the world needs to be paying attention to the United States national team. Um, we have an abundance of young players coming through. We have um, more players than ever before that are playing at, at very, very high levels across the world. Um, and it seems as though, Steve, every time these younger players are coming from the academies, they're getting better and better every year, you know. And, and now um, we, we see um, there's been a couple of uh, FC Dallas players that are going to train with, with FC Bayern München. Um, you know, uh, <laughs> players like Tana Tessman and, and Jesus Ferreira, they're going off to, to train with Bayern, um, you know, and, and I, I know there's a little bit of a connection there with, with the two clubs anyway, but um, I don't think that would have happened five or six years ago, you know, so, yeah. um, and these lads are all 19, 20, 21, you know, and, and I, I had this conversation um, yesterday with somebody. Um, the collegiate system is what it is, and, and it's, it's good. It produces talents. There's a reason why it's there, and I don't think it'll ever go away, nor should it. But it does say something when you you are someone like a, a Tanner Tessman and you are 19, 20. You've already had a season, maybe two, of professional football under your belt. You might not have played as much, but it's just about being in that professional environment and being a professional player. Now you're going to train with one of the biggest clubs in the world. You may very well get a game or two in the reserves. Obviously, I don't know how the contracts are going to work out, but mm-hmm. that would be my assumption. Um, what a fantastic experience. And um, what a chance to learn from one of the top football clubs in the world. And, and from a, a life point of view as well, what an experience. And it's an experience that you, you probably more than likely wouldn't get if you were still a collegiate soccer player. So um, I'm a big fan of the homegrown system. I think the homegrown system has, has given us more potential than, than ever before. And the fact that this national team roster is littered with with homegrown players from Major League Soccer. Um, it says a lot, Steve, and, and I'm really excited to see what, what the, the U23 national team looks like um, over the course of, of the next few years and then moving into to the senior national team as well. It's, I, I don't remember, Steve, ever feeling this excited about the potential of the men's national team. Mm-hmm. And that says a lot, you know, because th- th- this country has developed some wonderful players. Not enough, <laughs> but they've developed some good players. But now it seems as though the potential for this national team is beyond anything anybody expected, particularly at this stage. I think everybody thought at one stage the national team would grow and, and, and become something. 
But at this stage, I'm not entirely convinced people thought it would happen this early. So mm -hmm. there's an abundance of reasons as to why this has happened. But ultimately, Steve, I think if you're a US soccer fan, um, you should be very excited about the potential of this team. Yeah. Uh, let's shift to another uh, a USMNT vet, Matt Beasler, moving to Austin FC. He's, I mean, he was really Mr. SKC for a long time. Um, and we sort of knew this move was coming in December. Um, you know, it was addressed, uh, Peter Vermees, essentially saying it that, you know, because it's a salary cap league, you just can't keep players around uh, forever. You know, he moves on to an expansion project. I've no doubt as, you know, he's entering the, the last part of his career, he provides that sort of gravitas if you will as a as a respected veteran who's been a captain in mls going to a team that's an expansion team well what's your feeling on you know the salary cap thing is one of these things where i have this i'm sort of stuck in between good and bad with regard to the ability to retain players because if, if it were easier to retain players, I don't think it would mean as much when teams really do hang on to players for a long time when they be, you know, because Beasler's obviously been there forever. He's been there longer than Vermees, I believe. Um, he's been there since they were the Kansas. No, he was, no, he was there when they were the Wizards, but um, Vermees was drafted him, right? So, um, so he's been there forever um and they've hung on to him for a really long time when you move on sometimes your your hand is forced a little bit there's a part of me that feels like that is maybe a good thing in sports that there are some mechanisms that kind of make shifts happen and keep stagnation from occurring and players simply becoming sort of totems for a team they sort of it, it'll be fun to see Beasler given to an Austin FC team that needs leadership that needs uh, you know a, a guy who's who's got that experience so I find myself sort of stuck in, in, in the in-between there. Where, where do you land as far as that kind of thing? Well, first of all, Steve, um, Beasler is, is a perfect signing for an expansion team. Um, he, he is a leader. Uh, he's someone that people look up to. I mean, he was the starting centre-half of the 2014 World Cup for the national team, you know, and he played every single game. So, um, and he's been in and around the national team roster for many a year. So he's a great signing and still more than capable of playing at this level. So, um, <laughs> but look, it, the salary cap is something that was put in place to ultimately make sure what happened in the old North American Soccer League back in the 70s and 80s doesn't happen again. <laughs> and it, it, from a financial point of view, it prevents people from going overboard and overspending and ultimately going into the red, which is a good thing in my opinion, because there are so many clubs, and I mean big clubs, that are in the red and operate on, on a, a massive loss and operate under huge amounts of debt. That That's not what US soccer, that's not what Major League Soccer wants to do. Mm -hmm. um, so... I'm of the opinion that, that it's a good thing to have as long as it keeps rising and getting bigger, thus meaning Major League Soccer remains competitive on the international market. Now, the one thing that, that has given them that ability and has changed the landscape completely was the introduction of, of TAM and GAM. Um, now it's it's only GAM, general allocation money. I believe they've gotten rid of, of targeted allocation money. But, but either way, the point is, is it's given them a competitive opportunity on the international market. Uh, originally, it was only supposed, to my knowledge, originally it was introduced to, say, to, you know, um, the 15th or 16th player on your roster. 
hey, you're earning such and such money, we'll give you another 10 grand a year or what have you. you know, that, that was the original intention to my knowledge. But there's some very clever people um, in the, um, the recruitment world who, who have used it for other things. And it hasn't changed Major League Soccer it's for, for the better. It really has. There's been yeah. a lot of players, Steve, who, who prior to the introduction of it, they wouldn't be anywhere near Major League Soccer. Maybe only a handful of them would because they, they would have been designated players. They would have been. Um, because of the salaries and, and, and because of the, the, the transfer fees as well. So, um, you know, so it, it, look, ultimately, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a believer. I understand why the salary cap is in place. It needs to remain in place as long as it keeps up with the substantial growth of the league and it continues to rise and it continues to give people opportunities. Yeah. Well, I, I also had a note here to talk about Greg Vanny to the LA Galaxy, but I also have to make my daughter lunch pretty soon. So I think we're going to have to table Greg Vanny. Maybe we can come back and talk about, as we get into this, start looking at the season, maybe we'll talk about coaching, coaching changes and things like that, because I definitely want to get into it. So that's all we have time for. Uh, thanks for joining us for the 124th Sound of the Loons podcast presented by Alina Health Orthopedics. Be sure to leave us a nice review on iTunes or at the very least a five-star rating and follow the team on Twitter at MNUFC and Cal at CalWilliams.com and me at Steve Entrist. Apologies, as always, to Richard Wagner. And remember, there's only one person in this whole world like you and people can like you exactly as you are. <laughs>